Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Embrace FC podcast, the podcast focusing on things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States. My name is Jose Omania, sports writer, sports post. Joining me, as always, the co-host that needs no introduction, Mario Maya from the Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Did you hear the greatest news of the weekend? Cristiano Ronaldo is a Manchester United player. My heart as a Manchester United fan is filled with joy. And if you're another Premier League team, you should be scared. A fan, Premier League fan, you should be scared. Be very afraid, especially you, Arsenal. Congratulations, third place. Great, good to know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're, doing, we're doing a special edition of the podcast. If you came for your usual DC United spirit fix, that will come in the next week's episode. But we felt the need um, to just dive right into the breaking news of the day. We are recording this on Friday. The week coming up is the international break, and the U.S. men's national team has released its roster for the three World Cup qualifying games coming up. The United States will play at El Salvador this upcoming Thursday, and then versus Canada in Tennessee, and then at Honduras on the following Wednesday. Craig Berhalter has released his roster, 26 players, nine of which are from Major League Soccer. Some of the highlighted names, including Zach Steffen, university, former University of Maryland starting goalkeeper, has been called back up after winning the CONCACAF Nations League Championship. And Matt Turner, who just won the MLS All-Star Game, question mark. <laughs> He's called up. Hey, you forgot. He also won the Gold Cup. Sure. Um, George Bello, who just made his debut at that said Gold Cup, he's back. And just another set of names, Sebastian Legette is back uh, following the death of his sister. Brendan Erickson, who's lighting it up right now, RB Salzburg. Conrad De La Fuente, former Barcelona star, question mark, now playing with Olympic Marseille as well as Josh Sargent, who just made the move to Norwich. And lastly, Christian Pulisic, who recently announced that he has caught and tested positive with COVID-19. He has made this roster. Mario, before we get into particulars of some of the key names and things like that, what are your thoughts when you first saw this roster? I was pretty intrigued. I mean, it's a mixture of players that play the CONCACAF Nations League and a good majority of players that play the Gold Cup. Which was expected, by the way, if you were thinking about it. Uh, so it's a good mixture of players that are in MLS with players in Europe. Uh, it gives you a good look of what you're looking at in the for, for the first three games. Especially because you're playing three games. I think just the amount of players that were called up was important. It gives players rest, uh, rest throughout, through, throughout this whole qualifying first three games of the qualifying campaign. But I don't see much of an issue with it. I think there was a couple of names that surprised me. Matt Turner was definitely not one of them. I was pretty sure he was going to make this list anyway. I think the one name on the on this uh, on this list that I think people were really talking about was the inclusion of Ricardo Pepe, uh, MLS All Star MVP. Uh, he uh, him being included on the national team is probably one of the biggest surprises there. And also, we get Christian Roldan versus Alex Roldan in the first game of the qualifiers. I'm excited for that. Right. We'll get the two Salvadorian-American brothers 
dueling it out for their respective federations. Um, for me, the biggest surprise that some people are talking about is Conrad De La Fuente. I, I really, look, say what you want. The kid is a, is a talent. You know, there's no one just gets into Barcelona on a whim. You know, nobody just goes through the ranks at Barcelona, gets the first team, and was basically competing for first team minutes for a full season for nothing. Like, the guy has some talent. Now he's in Olympic Marseille. From all reports, he had a good preseason. Maybe he gets some minutes. I understand that he's going to – you know, you're playing three matches in seven days, so you have to think about, okay, possible replacements if – you know, Josh Sargent goes down or Gio Reyna goes down, especially Gio Reyna. I think that that's a that's a like for like switch. If Gio gets tired, Conrad could come in. If Brendan Erickson isn't already going in, I, I could totally see that. Another concern or something to keep an eye on is the fact that seven players are making are are under 10 caps for this team international appearances which is a lot. This team is very young. And so you have to think think about, okay, did you really need to bring a lot of youth? But at the same time, hey, who are my best starting 26 that I can call up? And in this case, this is what Craig Berhalter elected. In terms of Ricardo Pepe, you know, Ricardo Pepe, we kind of joked around and said, you know, the All-Star game was his you know, his essentially his coming out party because he participated in not only the skills competition, he was the guy who scored the game-winning penalty kick, which we'll get to later in the show. But he was also a big name because Univision uh, Deportes, Univision Deportes was before the All-Star game saying the reports out of Mexico was saying he was going to make the switch and play for Mexico which he would have been like the third to fourth big name to make that switch. But yeah, then behind, it, behind David Ochoa and Jonathan Gonzalez. Right. And, and, and not to mean to, I don't mean to cut you off here. Uh, weirdly enough, during the broadcast of the all-star game, Stu Holden broke the story that said Ricardo Pepe was on the list for the, for this, for this world cup qualifier. Yeah. For the U S men's national team. And it took, you know, we were wondering, okay, what is what? What is what? And, you know, this is what Ricardo Pepe said on Twitter. Quote, I grew up in a unique part of the United States living in El Paso and having this, having my family at Ciudad Juarez meant every week I would cross the border to visit family and friends. I've grown up, I've, I've always grown up immense, uh, immersed in my Mexican heritage. I love everything in the culture, my people, my food, and I'm very proud to be Mexican-American same time i was born and raised in the usa the country had this country has given me and my family a home and endless possibilities to achieve my dreams it has supported me and has lifted me and has shown me to work hard you will be rewarded i am very proud to be called up with the u.s men's national team to help them qualify for the 2022 world cup this means the world to me and i will give it give my everything for you all so you know, us kind of, we're not dual nationals in the sense of we have federations to pick, but as people who have family ties and kind of have that, you know, half and half deal, I totally understand what he's saying. 
And it must have been a hard decision. But at the end of the day, he chose the United States. And that's a great thing for the United States. The kid's scoring goals. He's got nine so far. He, he leads all MLS rooks. And so I think, and he's only 18. He could only go up from here. And some, I think Craig Warhol's a, out of all the names, I think this one was a definite, we need to give him a look. And you have two teams, not to say anything about their competition level, but you have two teams like El Salvador, Honduras, where it's away situations where you don't want to put a kid in in those kind of situations, but you'd want to be curious. How would an 18-year-old like Ricardo Pepe react in a semi-packed style Cuscatlan or playing in Honduras and San Pedro Sula in, or playing even here locally in Ca- against Canada? You want to see how he react. You already know that Dallas, while it only gets seven fans, is still an environment that, allows these these kids to grow up and become professional. So it's good that he's getting a chance, and I don't actually have a problem with that call-up. No, I don't really have much of a problem with that call-up either, especially considering that you're getting a kid who has a major upside and is having a really great season with FC Dallas. So you're giving him that opportunity to represent the national team in such an important stage like World Cup qualifying. So I don't really see much of an issue with the call with with calling up Ricardo Pepe. I think that you should call up more kids, maybe not in a situation like a World Cup qualifier. This is very unique in such a way, but you know, you give them you give these kind these kids that are coming up an opportunity to show out for to show you what you got for to play for the USMT. So I don't see an issue much of an issue with the call up. I think Speaking of someone who is half and half, it, we haven't already stated, both of us all have ties to El Salvador because our parents are from El Salvador. So, you know, it's not an easy decision if you're Ricardo Pepe to pick either to play for Mexico, which was literally just across the, the Rio Grande for, from him, or choose the United States. So he, either way, I think he would have come out on top come out on top whatever his decision was so i don't think it's an easy decision that he came up with but he made the decision to play for the usmt and it's a benefit for greg berhalter uh it'll be interesting to see the players that have under 10 caps how they react to playing in such environments such as a cuscatlan in san salvador or playing in san pedro sula just how well they react to playing in the pressures of playing in those cities in particular with 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 the fans just her coming at you for 90 minutes straight even though Cuscatlan I believe is going to be to like half capacity due to COVID restrictions and if I'm not mistaken San Pedro Sula isn't going to allow any fans to play to be inside the stadium because of the set of said COVID restrictions but I don't think these are going to be easy games co- coming forward for the U.S. But this should be an interesting test for Ricardo Pepe should he come in at any point during these three games. Yeah, and for people who are like, well, where's this name, where's that name? I've seen a lot of that already uh, for our locals. You know, uh, Donovan Pine still dealing with an injury, had a subpar performance in the Gold Cup. So I probably wouldn't have expected to see his name in this list. Um, Pariola. Still day to day with DC United. 
Uh, I, he's, he would have probably been called up, in my opinion, had he been healthy. Um, but, I mean, a lot of the names Craig Berhalter said in a in a press conference, follow, in a press call following all the, the announcement, you know, a lot of the names he could he just elected not to call up because of their club situation. Um, whether they're moving to a new club or the move was just made and they want to allow them to fully immerse themselves in the club first before they did call them up. You know, I think Craig is understandably would like to call up every guy that he could call up. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I have to shadow what, like when it comes especially to the striker core, I got to kind of listen to like Hercules Gomez and what he told, he said on ESPN where he said, Ricardo Pepe is in the right spot right now because of the situation in the forwards. And the situation is Josie Altador out due to injury. Uh, Jesse Zardes uh, out due to injury. Uh, Daryl DK. He's been up and down since the Gold Cup. It allows someone like him and even Conrad to an extent to go, okay, here's our chance to shine. And see, that's what the important is about. This is what makes this the last two years an interesting footnote in the history of football is how many stars are going to be made and how many people are going to lose out on an opportunity to either play for the national team one last time or make this gold cup make this world cup roster because of health and problems with covid i don't know about you but if let's say what we're hearing and reports are true that christian pulisic caught a breakthrough case meaning that he caught he has the vaccine but still caught covid and has symptoms i don't expect him to be 100 percent going into that el salvador game even if it's been past two weeks I, st- I don't expect him to even be training with the group until he, A, tests out, which could be a problem because that you still could test positive even after 10 days, and B, just traveling to El Salvador. So I think the call-ups of like a Conrad, like a Pepe, is to maybe offset the possibility of losing Christian Pulisic, at least for that first game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it uh, it brings a lot of uh, COVID brings a lot of its own complications, and especially with Pulisic, who did test positive for it. You, you got to be thinking ahead. Hence, why I think they called up twenty six players. And to the original point, outside of uh, Ricardo Pepe and Conrad De La Fuente, other players under ten caps are George Bello, Mark McKenzie, uh, James Sands, who also played in the Gold Cup. Um, Which, by the way, I'm kind of weirded out with that call. If you remember, if you remember in the Gold Cup, he was kind of iffy, and he, he had good performances here or there, and and then he would have like the those games where he looked really atrocious, and so maybe being on the bench, seeing how the usual starters play, maybe that'll help him. But I was kind of thrown off by that call. Yeah, I, I was thrown off on by little, uh, but not as much as my gripes with Tim Ream being called up. You you already know where I stand when it comes to Tim Ream, but that's beside the point. Other players, Miles Robinson, the hero of the Gold Cup final, he has under 10 caps. 
Gio Reyna, another guy under 10 that has under 10 caps. So this is someone an inexperienced team going to experience something that they've never really experienced before, which is a World Cup qualifying match in Central America, which brings its own unique set of circumstances in itself. But I think just for what the roster setup and how this is going, I think this is per it's pretty good, all things considering. Uh, this gives you a chance. This gives Greg Berhalter a chance to see other players or other players in in the in the pool, and if they end up, you know, showing good things, this could spell trouble for other guys in the pool, such as like Josie Altidore, who's basically in his last World Cup qualifying campaign, this could spell trouble in him possibly being excluded a little more and over guys like Conrad or or Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but looking forward to the three matches, you know, we're not going to review their opponents per se, but, you know, if just looking at the three matches, how Salvador versus Canada at Honduras, you know, on paper, the Canada game is the biggest game. But I think, A, the United States at the minimum needs to get five points out of the three games. That's just me looking as an arrogant American fan here. But also, B, these are not easy games to start your qualifying cycle El Salvador coming off of that Gold Cup, uh, they are really animated. Uh, originally, they weren't going to have fans in the building. They were looking to switch it, maybe play in the United States. FIFA said no. The president of the country then said, hey, as long as you get the vaccine and it's you're fully vaccinated, you're allowed in. Thus... Here we are with what's being reported as close to 20,000 fans will be at the Stadion. It's about roughly two-thirds of the stadium will be filled. It's not going to be the same fever pitch as it normally is in the Stadion, but it will bring pressure. I am unsure about what's going on in Honduras, but from all everything that we know about the situation in Tennessee, it will be open to everyone. Tickets have been on sale for a while, and you just have to show you just have to show up with a mask, from what I understand. So, it it will. I think the most important game out of the three will be the Canada game. That will be the game that the United States will be expected to defend home turf. But I think the first, the game they have to win has to be the El Salvador game, and because. That's going to be the first game, sets the right tone. You have to beat this team who, out of the three, is the lowly ranked. They are coming at a high, but, you know, they they lost. They can bring more trouble to a back line that hasn't played with each other since July. And, and they're still trying to build out what they're trying to be, you know, so... I think for me, it's the El Salvador game where they have to come out and really put a stamp and authority on what people should expect during this qualifying cycle. Uh, yeah, I think I can second that. The El Salvador game is going to be the important game because it's going to set the tempo of what the qualifying campaign is going to be for the U.S. 
uh, 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 yeah, I don't mean to copy here, but yeah, it, all, all first games are important because it's going to set the tempo, set the tone of what the qualifying campaign is going to be. And for El Salvador in particular, their call-ups are pretty interesting. It's the majority of players that have, that played in the Gold Cup. Uh, it's a good mix of players that play in the local leagues, players that play in USL, and a few MLS players like Eric Savaleta from Toronto FC, uh, Darwin Sereno of the Houston Dynamo, Alex Roldan of the Seattle Sounders, and they have one European place, base player play, uh, named Enrico Duenas, who plays for FC Eindhoven in the second division of the Netherlands. He's been called up. Also, Andy Nohar is one of three DC United players that got called up by their national teams. He's going to be playing for the Honduran national team in the first in these first three games of the qualifiers as well. But when it comes to, to games that are going to be important, the El Salvador game has to be the one where you got to set the tone. Oh, oh you got to set the tone and pretty much figure out what you're going to do. I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I don't think the Canada game at home is going to be easy because that's the game where you kind of set the tone of what you're going to look like at home, you know, playing in front of your home, in front of your home fans and establishing, Hey, this is what's going to be like to play against us in our home territory. And we're going to bring everything we got. We're not going to make it easy for you to at least come out with a point and pretty much build playing in the United States is like playing in like a fortress of sorts. And so that I think those two games pretty much are going to set the tempo of what the qualifying campaign is going to be like. But I think the game against Honduras, what people don't expect is we've had success in San Pedro Sula before. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, out of like the last four or five qualifiers, we've won twice in San Pedro Sula. But I don't think Honduras will be an easy opponent either at home. They play pretty well on home turf at El Olimpico Metropolitano of San Pedro Sula. So it'll be interesting. It'll be one of those games where I think they're going to try to scratch it where they'll probably end up getting a point. I think that's where, where you may get a one point is the visit to Honduras. So all in all, these three games are important in their own right, but it's the first two games that are going to be even more important because it's just going to set the tone of what your qualifying campaign is going to be like. Right, exactly. And, you know, I, I just, I'm looking at that El Salvador game as that could be trickier than Honduras just because of the way El Salvador ended that Gold Cup almost, you know, beating Mexico coming out and playing a new style that people weren't expecting, uh, playing more aggressive, more pressure football, uh, similar to what we see here. And so that's why I, I, I think that's going to be the first game that's going to be a real test. The U.S. traditionally has struggled at Estadio Cuscaclan, but they've gotten results when necessary. So that's probably the game that I think will be the focus but Canada is also a big game with everyone coming in. I think the only person not coming in is probably Tejan Buchanan, who just recently got transferred. Um, but I don't have the Canadian roster in front of me. But if if not, then he may be a problem for the U.S. So to keep an eye on. Um, 
Minimum amount of points for you, Mario, on how much the U.S. needs to get out of these three games? Uh, minimum five. We'll, we'll go with the standard five to to uh, to set the to just again set the tone. So I expect a minimum of five points in these first three games. Agreed. Uh, but you know, stick tuned with us. We're gonna be following the U.S. men's ma- national team through their journey through this World Cup cycle. Uh, and we'll talk more about players who didn't make it as we go on. And, and to and don't mean to cut you off. And to confirm, Tayon Buchanan is on this list for Canada. So there you go. He hasn't had he hasn't hit the Europe just yet. He's going to torture North America a little more before he heads to Europe, and that includes <laughs> an interesting matchup for the U.S. men's national team wingbacks. Uh, Buchanan played really, really well in the Gold Cup as well as been playing lights out under Bruce Arena in the New England Revolution. So we'll get to see more of him before he hits the year. Well, who we won't see in this first three games is going to be Alfonso Davies. He's out. Yes, he's still dealing with that ankle injury um, that he suffered right before the end of the season in May. Um, Moving on, MLS held its annual MLS All-Star Game with a little bit of a twist this year. It was supposed to happen last year, and that twist was taking on the Liga MX All-Stars of the of the Mexican First Division. Liga MX won the what they're trying to make the annual skills competition prior to the MLS All-Star game. In the actual game itself, it, the game ended in a draw, where then MLS won 3-2 on penalties, thanks to Ricardo Pepe. Mario, what are your thoughts on the overall quote-unquote weekend on a Wednesday? Um <laughs> I mean, it was on a Wednesday. What could I say? But what were your overthoughts of the 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 spectacle that was MLS versus Liga Mekis? I thought it was pretty cool. It was a pretty interesting concept. Again, I know people want to take this seriously. Uh, I want to say the following. It's an all-star game. Relax. Um, it, it, it was good. I, I think there is like a healthy amount of competition as as these things should have. Uh, it was interesting to see how, where in the skills challenge in particular, where, uh, where MLS and Liga and Mekis, where their strengths and their weaknesses were. And, and I, I found it to be pretty cool. I love the fact that, uh, Jorge Campos came out here dressed as my father in flip-flops and shorts and a polo. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Kobe Jones should never coach again during a skills challenge. <laughs> uh, I, I thought I thought it was pretty cool, just bringing both both leagues together, bringing both cultures, and doing it in Los Angeles. It only felt right, uh, in my opinion, because again, if you're not a demographics buff, Los Angeles has the biggest population of Mexicans in the country. And having Liga Mekis All Stars play in, in Los Angeles, it gives you a chance to see your bet, the best players of MLS against the best players in Liga and Mekis. So all in all, I thought it was pretty cool. It was a pretty good, cool All Star weekend, even though it was on a Wednesday. Yeah, I thought the skills challenge because I saw most of the first one um, Orlando. Uh, when they did it two years ago, I was preparing for the flight to go to the actual All-Star game. Uh, 
explaining why I didn't see all of it. But it was a fun concept. I thought they were going to do more of the games we see uh, for those who play FIFA. Some of those skill games that you practice on to get the points, uh, to, to get extra cards, I guess, for foot or other things to unlock that they started in the mid-2010s. I thought that they would incorporate more of those because it has more to do with speed, agility, containing the ball. But I guess you don't want to put too many of those games considering these guys are in midseason slash starting their season and the last thing we need is broken ankles. Um, but I thought that the skills challenge was fun. It was good to see that A, MLS's roster was pretty crap in terms of their skill and touch. In terms of the starting <laughs> My God, they were awful in passing. But vice versa, Liga Mekis was god awful in shooting. <laughs> they couldn't they were shoot so the off target line. throughout this whole thing. But I thought the skills competition was fun. I love that it went down to the wire. The game itself, look, I try to watch All-Star games. I attended an All-Star game. To this day, I say, and people get mad, I had more fun in the pre-game All-Star game and the post-game All-Star game and wandering the halls of the Orlando City Stadium or whatever it's called now. I had way more fun doing that than watching the All-Star game. And in this case, because I was dealing with a migraine, I watched 10 minutes, fell asleep, watched the highlights, the five-minute highlights were good enough for me. I didn't, I mean, and to a lot of you, apparently, the five-minute highlights were good enough because uh, Sports Business Daily is reporting that for the English-language broadcast, 175,000 people watched it on FS1, whereas in Espanol, uh, the game averaged close to 1.4 million viewers setting a record for the event in, in both English and in Spanish. So clearly, the, the Spanish people, once again, we have to come up and clean up the dirty work for our, our American brethren. We have to hey, man, I'd work. rather watch Diego Valado than Alexi Lalas, that's for sure. Maybe the numbers would be different being on ESPN. I thought this game should have been on Fox, uh, comparing to a lot of things that they've <laughs> For example, when they put the was it a Sporting KC recently against Portland on Fox, where it did turn up to be a decent game, but the ratings on that was through the roof for some reason. It wasn't that great? Hey man, they put El Salvador versus Qatar on Fox proper. Right, they're putting those games on Fox proper, but the actual All Star game not on Fox proper. Okay, I guess we do need you know. The next season of Master Chef on. I don't know what's on Wednesdays on Fox, but it's just whatever. It's another episode of The Masked Singer. Figure out who's going to be the lizard. Who is the lizard this week? So the 1.4 was the second best MLS All Star Game audience on Tudene, and the large and and it only was beat out by uh, the 2017. All-Stars playing uh, Real Madrid to a 1-1 draw. So that and <laughs> that could probably be attributed to Liga Emekis, uh MLS experiencing a bigger growth in fandom through Spanish 
for me, it was just an all-star game. I'm sorry. I don't, it's very hard for me to get up for these all-star games. You're talking to the guy who, who would donate money to UNICEF. But then when it was the Lel Messi team versus the the Suarez team, I clicked off immediately <laughs> when that game started. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the All-Star game. You can try to make it serious. Make it fun. That's why I love the skills challenge. I hope that they can make more skill games, less commercials. God, Fox, I know you need to make money. Less commercials <laughs> i i yes. was tired of the commercials at some point, i i don't i don't need to buy a drink a jeep grand cherokee fox don't have the money for it at this moment in time and maybe smaller games like the get the touch game i liked it was basically ski ball but an oversized ski ball i like that game but where several like- mls players totally missed the mark yes they really got i and Started off strong, but was terrible during the end. And, and meanwhile, he hits a screamer on Friday. So, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Um, but let's, let's, let's make maybe smaller games. Maybe goalie wars. Maybe that would be fun. I say you bring, out, you bring back the old school shootout if you're not going to do goalie wars. I'm just saying the crossbar challenge, Jesus Christ. This thing was supposed to end at 11. It ended at 11.10 because we were still doing the crossbar challenge. Can nobody hit the crossbar? I'm like, listen. No, 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 no. It's not that they couldn't hit the crossbar. Remember, it was first one to 25 points. And it was about hitting the crossbar but from 50 yards out. Look, Look here. Unless we get to draft Ronaldinho, I don't expect anybody to hit that crossbar without it. Can we say the following? Howard Webb was probably thinking to himself the entire skills challenge, like, did I do all this for money? He came here. First off, whose idea was it to have Howard Webb return into a referee uniform and to judge this competition? Howard Webb is not like that that Rev- Angel Hernandez where people ridicule. He's actually a respected guy. Who He's retired, a respected individual. Who retired his only, his only, blunt, his only blunder throughout his whole career was not giving Nigel De Young a red card for karate kicking Xabi Alonso in a World Cup final. Exactly. He's the reason why VAR is working in the United States. If anything, if I'm fucking the EPL, I'm excuse my language, but if I'm the EPL, I am calling Howard Webb. I'm throwing him oodles of cash to come to the EPL to fix our program. But I mean, overall, I I thought it was fun. They could do this a little more, but I'm of the opinion of I want more fun versus seriousness. And I want less canoodling to give MLS ideas about joining together with Liga Mekis. I don't need that. Uh, that's what the CONCACAF Champions League is for. And if you thought people hated the Super League idea in Europe, I'm telling you, you're not going to convince people in Boston to go to Toluca to go watch a game between Toluca and New England in the middle of May. Not happening do you not want to see minnesota versus ciudad juarez at the end of july no no that sounds like a wonderful game if i were blind uh but anyway 
No, I think the All-Star game was pretty fun. Uh, the, I like the skills challenge more than I watched the game. I actually was one of those people that watched the whole thing. <laughs> um, I think the okay. All-Star game had its moments, but it was meh. I think uh, if they're going to play, if they're going to really do this thing with Liga Becky's, like, I think they should be a little bit more team involvement. Like, you know, out of your 26 bloated teams, maybe more representation from your bloated teams. Like, geez, Louise, I, there was no DC United player, no commissioner call. Like, there was none of that this year. Like, and the Har should have been there, in my opinion. There were other teams that didn't get anybody. Look, I'm not saying give them a gimme, but I'm just saying, like, geez, Louise, like, I didn't know that six – uh, Seattle Sounders deserve call-ups. Like, I didn't know <laughs> that's how the All-Star game works. I know it's a popularity contest. I, but when you look at the league, I, I know. Team, Did you see MLS goal of the week? They picked some dude from Philadelphia over Jordi Reyna. I'm still upset about that. It's a popularity contest, but still, it's like, you know, you, you asked here, should they play, because we do an outline for this thing, should they play Liga Mekis more? Sure. But honestly, I want if we're gonna do this all-star game, if we're gonna be serious about it, then it shouldn't be East versus West. Cause we don't play the West that often. I it, like that's what I wanna see. I wanna see, you know, if DC United isn't gonna play the Galaxy more often, their original hated rival, then screw it. I wanna see Pariola take out uh, Sebastian Legette in an all-star game because I know he can because that's the kind of guy Pariola is. And so if that's what would need to be done, then I'd rather have a East versus West or maybe just to get more guys in the games because sometimes they're making these whack substitutions at halftime where they basically put in a new team out there. You'll still see that with the East versus West, but it'll be guys that I know. And trust me, if you think the ratings were bad in English now, putting in another Liga Mekis All-Star game when people barely watch the English broadcast of Liga Mekis now, I think East versus West, you'll improve the ratings slightly. If this is something MLS really wants to care about and they really want to put more of an effort in getting people to watch it and things like that, Maybe rotate, do a year East versus West, the year with the European team, and then boom, we play the guy Mekis. And then rotate it like they do with the World Cup, to be honest. Yeah, I also have an idea. Uh, you want to do kind of a field of dream concept for the next All-Star game. If you do East versus West, put it somewhere in the Midwest. No, have them come together in the middle of the country. Something like that. But, yeah, I think East versus West sounds like a much more plausible thing you can do. I mean, I don't mind them playing Liga Emekis every year, but it's just kind of like – it's just kind of a thing where you're like, okay, this is getting boring. It's getting repetitive, like playing European opponents every All-Star game. You don't really need to play European opponents every All-Star game. You could do it every once in a while, but sometimes – but sometimes – it gets boring. So, you know, East versus West, have MLS take on other MLS play. They have East versus West, take have them take on each other would sound 
great. And personally, I would love to see Paul Ariola put Sebastian Legette through a blender. <laughs> or it doesn't have to be that. You know, I've heard NBA fans cry about U.S. players versus international players. Like, MLS could do that with ease, and I think that would be fun and also a great way to embarrass our American players. But I think it would be a better Oh, poor, oh poor, poor Julian Araujo. He's going to be put through a blender by Raul Ruiz Diaz. <laughs> I, I just think I want to see more fun and creative ideas. MLS has a league where they want to copycat so much, but there are so many fun things that they used to do that because it's not what we traditionally do, like we look back at them fondly, and I think we can still do that. And the All-Star game is one of those things where – we could keep it wacky. We can play a European team here and there. We could play, you know, but a, a one that everybody knows. I think where it really jumped the shark was that Atletico Madrid one where they were just, like, looking for a team that they hadn't played yet, which is fine. But there's so many big names they haven't played yet, like a Liverpool, you know, that they, they, they could play. Juventus, they played. Cool. They play. Did correct me if I'm wrong. Roma. Did they play Roma one year? Uh yeah, I believe they yeah. did. Actually. So you still need to get Liverpool. You played Chelsea, Arsenal. Have they played Arsenal yet? I think they did. Yeah, they did. It was the Arsenal. <laughs> Is it just Liverpool and Barcelona? They haven't played. Is it those, those the only two? <laughs> did they play? I think so. I'm. I'm trying to draw. I know about the Liverpool one, but I'm just saying, like, be make make it fun. That one year that where it got rained out, try to do that again, where it was your MLS team versus the U.S. men's national team. Like, I would rather make it fun. The All Star games are supposed to be fun, and the only All Star game I have fun watching and and participating in is the NBA All Star game. They do the All Star game right. The players don't care. They're having fun. The fans don't care because they're having fun. The three-point contest is the blast. The dunk contest, some years is shit. Excuse my language. Some years it's crap. The other years it's crap. And some and other years it's pretty fun. So, so they have not played oh, – I'm looking it up right now. They have not played Liverpool. I thought they did. No, they, they didn't. They played, they played Manchester United two years in a row. Yep. <laughs> I love Manchester United, but you don't need to play him two years in a row in an all-star game. Bring Man City. Bring Man City in. And then for the all-star skills competition, you'll have Man City versus New York City FC uh, versus the MLS All-Stars. Boom. I made you money. There. Thank you. You're welcome, MLS. I gave you an idea that you hadn't thought about before. Big brother versus little brother. Bam. There you go. And the game uh, played other, at Ripple other Arena. Opponents over the years, Fulham, Fulham, or as somebody called it once, Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. Chelsea, we played them twice. Yep. Chris Pontius was an MVP in one of those, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Everton, West Ham. Celtic? Yeah, that's right. We played Celtic in an all-star game one year. But that was back when Celtic was popular. Yes. Bayern Munich, coached by Pep Guardiola. So we could give Pep Guardiola his revenge game. He would come with Man City. <laughs> but yeah, let's try Barcelona. And if you really want to be funky with it, why not Borussia Dortmund? I want to see Holland here at an all-star game. 
I think, honestly, the biggest get is PSG. Like, that's the team you want in its current iteration before Mbappe decides to call it a day and leave. I think before yeah. before El Garito decides to do an, uh, an intense intro saying, ladies and gentlemen, he is here. Real Madrid has signed Kylian Mbappe. Dun, dun. And then you got the old guy in the background going, ah, my football. I'm just saying, like, I want the All-Star game to stay fun. Skills competition with Leo Messi and Neymar would be fun. I want fun. Who doesn't want fun, all right? And we have this weird summer where we're going to have qualifiers end, and then these players are going to have off time. So that means if, you know, hopefully we're smart, I'm begging for it. Everybody gets their act together and COVID will be beaten. You know, we could have a situation where we go to a packed stadium in either Miami or or in Seattle, or Columbus, or New Jersey, and play PSG. I, look, I'm all for the Liga Mekis All-Stars game. You even wrote here what moment stood out to you in both competitions. You're going to laugh. The one moment that really stood out to me was the fake injury during the skills competition. <laughs> yes. <All right>? I <laughs> the think the one moment that stood out for me was the postgame after that. Where they asked Nahuel Guzman, so what happened? Why'd you get injured? You know, interacting with the fans, taking a lot of photos. It took a toll on me, and that's why I, I went down with an injury. But the, the, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's cool and all, but clearly one section was taking it seriously, and that was the Amekis. And then during the game, it was only one side taking it super seriously, and that was MLS. And so I want fun, okay? I want fun. There's more fun playing these European stars or East versus West. We've seen East versus West countless times. I'm fun with – I have fun with it. Shoot, if you're going to have the, the skills competition, get actual fun coaches. Like if PSG does come, make them draft a coach. Maybe it's David Beckham and then have the MLS All-Stars draft a coach Maybe it's Ronaldinho. The connection, who knows? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, so, the conne- so the connection to Ronaldinho being the MLS head coach at a skills challenge is the following. They saw Ronaldinho partying three days in a row in Miami. He wa- saw he ran into David Beckham at Live. And next thing you know, David Beckham's like, Oi, do you want to be a skit? You want to be the uh, coach for the skills challenge? Ronaldinho was like, sure. And bam, here we are. I got a better connection. Ronaldinho is connected to MLS because his because his former teammates with Dave Beckham who owns Inter Miami, it, where one of the All Stars is currently playing. In this case, it would be Pizarro. Boom. That's how you connect. <laughs> he, technically, at that moment, he becomes Inter Miami ambassador Ronaldinho. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was seven degrees of inter Miami. It, it's seven degrees of MLS. And that's enough time for us in terms of our seven degrees. So, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on, or if you want me to uh, show you a picture of uh, videos of me dancing, like, 
dancing around. I'm kidding, by the way. Dancing in his pure happiness that Ronald, that Cristiano Ronaldo signed with Manchester United and he came home. You can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya One. You want to know what's going on in the world and in the DMV? You can follow El Tiempo Latino too at El Tiempo Latino at El Tiempo Latino on Twitter. Go on their website, eltempolatino.com. And if you want to contribute to my fund of buying a Manchester United Cristiano Ronaldo jersey, go to your local newsstand or your local metro station to pick up a hard copy of the new of El Tiempo Latino today. That could have gone so many ways, but I'm just going to drop it and say, follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore Omana for more content. And remember to check out the sportspost.com. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod and Apple Tech for the intro and outro music. Remember, rate and subscribe as always on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special edition of the Bad Hombres FC podcast. We'll be back with your original DC United and Spirit talk next week. But until then, we will talk to you soon. Adios.